Hi, and welcome to Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. Before I dive into things, I want to address why an episode wasn't uploaded last week. I know I don't have the most uh, virulent uh, following, but still think it's important to address since I did say I wanted to make this up and going and consistent again. Uh, some stuff came up for me and my family, and I needed to take care of it, and I had no place to record alongside my brother's cat, Gabby, trying to partake, so I decided to just wait a week until I ended up in a quieter environment where I was afforded the opportunity to do so. So, here I am, and let's do this episode. So, today's episode will be us uh, visiting Artemis this time, a uh, new goddess in the mix, to talk about who she is, what her origin stories are, and some major and minor events she was involved in. Um, as always, you know, we're trying to just paint a picture of who she is, share some fun stories, and get a general idea about her. So, who is Artemis? Artemis is actually a pretty complex goddess, uh, especially because of her sort of contradictory aspects. Her main domain she's like consistently known for is hunting. Uh, simultaneously, though, she's known as like the Potnia Theron, which means mistress of wild beasts. Uh, so one might say, you know, oh, being like the mistress of wild beasts is like you conquer them, but it's also that like they follow her and engage with her. So it's interesting that you have that contradictory aspect. She's also a goddess who had the privilege of keeping her virginity since she so wished. But like most Greek goddesses, she still presided over childbirth. Uh, now, no longer really on this contradictory side, she also had this really strong association with the Titan Selene and minor goddess Hecate through her association with the moon. So she and her brother Apollo both did the same kind of thing of not completely, but to some degree, taking over the representation of like a celestial body from the original Titan. So Selene was originally associated with the moon. Now instead we have Artemis. Um, So I think that's pretty interesting to know. Just a side thing, she's known to the Romans as Diana, if you know her by that name. Uh, Her sacred animals were the deer and the bear, both show up in stories, and the latter actually manifests itself, uh, the latter being the bear, in this Attic city. Attic meaning in the region where Athens was located, it was called Attica, and this city was called Brauron. Here, little girls in yellow dresses actually served as her arctoi, or bears, and performed a bear dance at an annual festival of hers. I think that's just kind of like a cute story, and it's interesting that you can kind of see that connection there. Uh, Artemis also had a pretty strong connection with Ephesus, Uh, so she had a temple there, actually, that was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Uh, Though this story is certainly not true, um, there is one that says it was burnt down the same day Alexander the Great was born, Uh, which is pretty spooky, but when I say it's not true, I mean that, like, his birth did not cause the temple to get burnt down uh it's like potentially sure maybe it did occur on the same day but i really don't think his birth caused anything like that uh so her origins as a god are relatively unclear but nothing too too crazy so there are a lot of guesses at hand um so the earliest ad like attestation of her name is attested in Mycenaean Greek, which is a good pointer towards being pretty Greek in origin, but still some suggest her name might be Phrygian in origin. 
It is cool, though, because just like that bear cult I mentioned earlier, some suppose that her name actually may originate from a word for bear and is actually the part of a greater, older bear cult that can be found in other Indo-European cultures. For reference, Indo-European and like Proto-Indo-European are kind of like the quote-unquote predecessors of the Greeks so, and like the cultures that were shared. So that's kind of the idea at hand. But who knows? Uh, you know, either way, her mom's Lydian and seemingly she may not be, but then got absorbed into that story. Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of things at hand, but it's just kind of to give you a general idea of, you know, what are her supposed origins culturally. So her birth story is the same as Apollo's. I'm going to reiterate it just to not create a dependency of needing to listen to one episode to catch information that would still naturally be discussed again in another. So feel free to skip if you don't want to hear it again. So her birth story is pretty cool, fun to some degree if you ignore the fact that her mom was being persecuted by Hera again for having children by Zeus. So her mom, Leto, is being prevented from giving birth by Hera, as all the lands fear that by allowing her to give birth, Hera will like smite them or something. In some cases, uh, the decree was more like no land under the sun should permit Leto to give birth. So Leto eventually comes to this floating island of Delos, perhaps originally known as Ortigia, which served as a reminder of how her sister Asteria was turned into a quail. The Greek word is ortux. So that's pretty wacky, right? That potentially, you know, she's actually giving birth on an island that used to be her sister. Anyway, as soon as Leto touched the island, it actually anchored itself to four pillars, and that's kind of how it gets her rooted and doesn't move. Generally, the story goes she, she being Leto, held onto a palm tree for nine days in labor until finally Iris bribed Eleutheia, the minor goddess of childbirth, to come help her give birth with a 13-foot-long golden necklace. This somehow worked, and in some versions, to ensure Leto could give birth, Zeus actually had Poseidon cover the island in her waters. Uh, or, yeah, well, the island in waters, not her waters, uh, to make sure like no light could come through. So they had some good science knowledge there. Either way, uh, Artemis ends up being born under uh, this Mount Kynthus also on Delos, and then may have actually acted as a midwife in helping facilitate the birth of her brother Apollo, which would be pretty cool. Uh, Artemis' stories, generally speaking, are a little more intertwined with Leto, I would say, since her young stories are a lot about avenging her mom. I do think she is not entirely entirely vengeful but you'll see if i just start sharing some stories to paint a clearer picture of her it's the type of thing where like artemis's position in the like greek realm seems to really lend itself towards this sort of vengeance and whatnot so that's kind of how she ends up being depicted but i think to some degree there's also just a general sense of like there's a lot of self-preservation in some of these stories, so it's it gets really complicated in that regard. Anyways, let's get into these stories so we can talk about them and share some random and wacky events. So the first story is about this Theban youth named Acteon. What a poor soul. He was one day hunting in the valley of Gargaphia on Mount Cithiron when he just so happened to come across Artemis bathing naked with her various attendant nymphs in some spring. Like, the story actually has to suck so much that he violated her privacy entirely on accident. Like, it wasn't like he was, like, looking for her or trying to, like, sneak in. No, he literally just saw her on accident. Either way, she chucks water at him, and this ends up transforming his body into a stag. 
which is pretty horrifying since apparently he's still conscious. So he's like in stag form, like, you know, actively still thinking as if he were human. And, you know, he flees into the forest completely freaking out and his hunting dogs follow him and tear him apart. Uh, and you know now like they tear apart the stag and they're like weeping because they're like where's our master um and eventually the centaur chiron took pity on them and made a statue of acteon to appease them this is sort of an opening example and story of like the retaliatory vengeful nature of artemis that acteon had to experience because acteon didn't really i mean he obviously well, I don't know. Doing something wrong, wrong really has some uh, wishy-washy definition here. But he did something on accident and got punished for it accordingly. And this is the sort of thing where, you know, perhaps the idea is like this is a violation of, you know, Artemis's privacy and purity. And that's why he has to get punished, uh, whether or not it was intentional, which, you know, begs some questions. But yeah, she's a goddess. What can you do about it? The next story uh, is a more classic story one could expect of any deity. So this isn't really just Artemis specific. Uh, there was a city named Caledon, which had a king named Oeneus. Oeneus was an utter bingus who forgot to sacrifice to Artemis while performing sacrifices. And as a result, she sent a monster boar that went and tore up his lands. Eventually, a coalition of like you know the great men around Greece came uh, and rallied behind his son Meliager to eventually vanquish it. This story is just you know it kind of shows a general idea you know do not exclude a sacrifice to a god if you're going to do that be prepared for some major consequences. Um, so yeah, she just kind of follows the general narrative of how gods seem to act if you uh, slight them in any way, shape, or form. The next is probably the biggest story at hand to talk about, since our like central figure beyond Artemis is also probably the most notable one. Uh, so we're going to talk about Orion. Uh, the context of Orion, for those who don't know, uh, maybe you know the constellation, is he's this giant hunter who is seemingly pretty overpowered, and he becomes a hunting companion of Artemis. So how the story goes, so we've got that background. Ryan does some other things on the side, which are questionable and whatnot. But how the story goes from here regarding Artemis has a few variations, so you'll have to bear with me. In one version, he fell in love with her and tried to rape her, so she killed him by sending a scorpion to kill him. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, don't do that. So obviously he gets punished for that. In another version, he becomes a lover of the goddess of the dawn, Eos, or he tried to rape a maiden named Opus and was killed by Artemis for this. The the latter is like, okay, yeah, 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 like I get you. But the former is like a weird jealousy, I guess, because he isn't a follower of Artemis in like the traditional sense of like, oh, I'm going to be a virgin hunter. It's just like a hunting companion so a little strange perhaps like a jealousy from artemis um the most fascinating version is the following though kind of in line with that ao story artemis may actually have considered marrying orion like is that not just completely bonkers that that's a thing right so apollo was like yo what is going on no 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 we're fixing this so apparently apollo and artemis are hanging out my siblings do 
and he points out to this object really far away in the sea and is like taunting her saying she can't hit it. So Artemis naturally proved she could and only learned that she had killed Orion by headshotting him when his corpse floated onto the shore. That is a pretty brutal way to go of like, oh, I'm considering marrying this guy. Oh, yeah, I murdered him as well. So, yeah, pretty wacky. Uh, For the most part, though, you can see that a lot of Orion's narratives were him like transgressing and performing crimes. Um, But then you also see this really interesting version of like Artemis, I guess, being tempted or something to some degree, which is really interesting to think about because with the other main like quote-unquote virgin goddesses with like Hestia and Athena, there is never really a question of whether or not like there's I don't know of a single story where there's some question of uh whether or not they would like love someone in in like a romantic sense not just like a general sense of loving someone uh a platonic sense of loving someone so that's why I think this story is really interesting to hear about her Uh, but obviously the other parts make sense of you know Orion committing crimes and her punishing him accordingly Another story brought to you from the Iliad is our next one. So this one's just funny to me, and I wanted to share it. So in book 21 of the Iliad, there's this notable and amusing fight between the gods who are on the different sides of the Trojan War. It takes up like a few hundred lines. It's nothing super crazy. And Artemis like flames Apollo for not fighting Poseidon. And Hera is like, oh, you think you're all that? And then she grabs uh, Artemis's wrist and takes her bow and quiver from her and just starts smacking her on the ears until Artemis flees weeping. I just think it's absolutely hilarious because, you know, obviously, you know, consequences for uh, flaming. This is karma. But then, you know, this is one of the most fiercely depicted goddesses in the group. Hera's not de- usually depicted as being particularly violent in the physical sense. She obviously obviously enables a lot of violence, but she's not part- like physically that violent herself. And then here she's just beating on Artemis. So I just thought it's a funny story to share. Uh, the next one is uh, like a simple Trojan War precursor story. Um, And it shows a mix of leniency, actually, from Artemis, but still the vengeful nature. So this Greek guy named Agamemnon, who ends up being the leader of the Greeks at Troy, had offended Artemis in some way. He either shot a stag and boasted to be a better hunter than Artemis. An absolutely idiotic move. Please do not say you're better than the gods at anything. It never goes well. Or he vowed to give the most beautiful thing born in the year of Iphigenia's birth. Iphigenia being his daughter, ended up up being his daughter to be the most beautiful thing born in that year, and he did not follow through. So either way, uh, she punishes all the Greeks for this by stilling the winds, stilling even a word? Um, eh, Why not? By stopping the winds at Aulis. It's this port city that all the Greeks had decided to set out from. So, you know, the Greeks are sitting there like, how are we going to go anywhere? We're not going to row like, you know, a thousand ships. So what's up? So this guy named Calchas, as uh, a seer, he figures out what's going on. He's like, yo, Agamemnon, uh, you gotta sacrifice your daughter. So Agamemnon's like, okay, and gets her there. Uh, and when they're about to sacrifice her, Artemis actually exchanged the girl for a deer and took her to a faraway land. 
This acted as a punishment for Agamemnon's hubris. Uh, it ends up leading to being one of the leading causes for why he gets killed after the Trojan War by his wife. Um, so it shows, you know, Artemis's like punishment for his hubris, but by also taking away his daughter. But then she also shows a lot of leniency of understanding that the girl didn't really do anything wrong, right? It was just her father's stupidity and ends up making her a priest of hers in like some faraway barbaric land that seemingly doesn't do anything super bad to her. Well, again, barbaric in the traditional Greek sense of just like foreigners, not really barbaric in like how we use it now. Uh, the final story we're going to talk about is a little different from everything I presented so far in any recent episode, or I think just any episode probably. So this is a story about Britomartis. She's a divinity local to Crete whom Artemis is identified with. I think it's a simple and good story to relate from an assimilation and variety perspective. Uh, the fact that, you know, Britomartis is identified with Artemis, um so there's some ideas here of like does that inspire why her story story goes the way it does or do, do they end up getting assimilated because the stories are kind of like similar in terms of their aspects a lot of interesting things so Britomartis is the daughter of zeus and a cretan woman named carme she is the virgin huntress who is apparently super dear to artemis so the story goes that she's like dear to artemis but there's a lot of um discussion of certain mortals being just representations of gods uh so this is kind of the idea here so minos the famous king of crete falls in love with her and you know rather than asking her out and being rejected he took the standard route of most greek men in power and pursued her uh, she ended up having to throw herself off a cliff uh, to avoid being grabbed by him and she ended up in the nets of some fishermen and was turned into the goddess named dictina which either means a lady of the nets, which, you know, would fit the whole falling into the nets, or it was just an association with the Cretan Mount Dicti. Uh, I prefer the former, but perhaps it's really just easily explained in the latter. This story sticks out to me because, again, it really feels like it can be a local variety of the Artemis cult that explained, like, her deification. Like, this is kind of an example of it. Um, there are also obviously clear similarities between like the version Huntress and whatnot. So while it isn't a pure Artemis story, I think local versions are always neat and I wanted to share it. So overall, I think the thing to understand about Artemis from these stories is that she had a strong sense of like protecting her virginity, which she has a total right to. And this was a thing often challenged intentionally or not. Um, she also could be a rather vengeful goddess, but I think a lot of that vengeance was more so a result of like keeping mortals in check than I think entirely her being like really violent on her own uh, I really feel like the only story where I'm like it's kind of a bra moment is the Acteon story otherwise you know it feels very much like she's doing what you would expect most like gods to do they just do it in different ways right aphrodite's thing is making people fall in love a bunch to like punish them and her artemis thing is just obliterating them by herself so i think it's like very in line with the niche she was put into in greek myth but i also don't think it's the most crazy thing given what that niche is um so yeah i think it's pretty straightforward to like what you could expect out of her and perhaps a little tragic at times 
so next episode uh, will focus on Athena. Now we'll be transitioning from artist to Athena, talking about you know who she is, what her origins are, and some stories that she's involved in, so we can better understand uh, the Greek goddess of wisdom. Uh, unlike this past week, the episode should come out on the following Monday, uh, as one should expect. Uh, the only potential delay is like there's supposed to be a freeze where I live, and I don't know if a bunch of things will be a problem when I get back. So hopefully not. We'll find out. Um, as always, uh, please let me know if you have any comments, questions, or concerns at ragm1928 at gmail.com. I'm always more than willing to answer. Uh, and thanks so much for listening to this episode, and take care. <laughs>